exactly my personality to shout out loud and to raise my hands. I have never run the bases. One of these days I'm going to do it. Uh, if I feel the Lord's really want, in it and He wants me to do it one of these days. Um, but you know, when we get to heaven, I read there's going to be shouting and singing and praising the Lord. We might as well just get used to it. And uh, we might as well practice down here. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to sing a song or two. Before we get started, <clears throat> Sunday afternoon is nap time. It spells saint. I saw one the other day in a church office I was delivering to, and the sign said, Coffee. Christ offers forgiveness for everyone, everywhere. I thought that was really interesting because it was in a Calvinistic Southern Baptist church. Maybe the, maybe the uh, receptionist wasn't on board with that either. All right. Like the prodigal son, I drifted in darkness. The clutches of sin They cling to my soul My sins were so many And my burdens were heavy But when I touched Jesus He washed them all away I pressed through the crowd, re 
reached out and touched Jesus and the sweet Holy Spirit came into my soul and I knew I was changed and my sins all forgiven cause when I touched Jesus he made me whole like the woman who tried and so many physicians but when she touched Jesus she was healed on that day My sickness was different My sins were so many But when I touched Jesus He made me whole So I pressed through the crowd Reached out and touched Jesus and the sweet Holy Spirit came into my soul and I knew I was saved my sins all forgiven cause when I touched Jesus He saved my soul When I trusted Jesus He saved my soul Amen Calm sea with Jesus. The disciples were getting concerned. The wind started violently blowing, and he was asleep in the stern. Does he not care that we perish? We're helpless and we're so afraid. But Jesus woke when they called him said to them, where is your faith? You prayed all night, and you held on with all your might. And child, your cries have awoken the Master, and he knows your voice. Lift your hands, it's time to rejoice. And child, your cries have awoken the master. He hit you without any warning. Storm of your life had begun. And seeing no hope in the distance, 
riding and there's nowhere to run by now your vessel is filling and you're thinking that you'll surely drown but you cried out for help from the savior and you know you can't turn back now because you prayed all night and you held on Child, your cries have woken the master, and he knows your voice. Lift your hands, it's time to rejoice. And child, your cries have woken the master, and child, your have woken the master. Amen. I'm going to be tonight in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you want to take your Bibles and meet me there in 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know, I um, really enjoyed today. This was really a, a treat for me. Um, the time here with you this morning, the opportunity to uh, do a Sunday school, a Sunday morning service, and a Sunday night. First time for me. Now I know what a pastor goes through on a weekly basis. You've got to add Wednesday night to that, which I am doing right now. I'm preparing for Wednesday night with young folks. Uh, so that has been a great blessing. I enjoyed the fellowship at the Wilcox's house, and um, I like that. I've been at a couple churches now, a few of them, and, and the, the whole uh, coming into town, getting a hotel, and sort of we come to church, we have church, and it's exciting, but then you just take off from church and then go back to the hotel, and uh, that's, there's, a, there's a good side to that, and, and then a not-so-good side because I enjoy the fellowship uh, that I was able to have with them this afternoon. You really get to know somebody get to spend some time with them, and sit around and eat and fellowship. That's what Jesus did, right? The folks in the gospel. And uh, so I, I appreciate that. I enjoyed that. Maybe on, if I was doing this uh, for years, later on down the road, I'd enjoy just having a, a hotel to go back and, and hide in. You know, if I had some kids, they'd enjoy having that pool and that, you know, the play area and all of that. But I enjoyed that. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Had some wonderful food and uh, some good fellowship, piece of pie and some coffee. Amen. Got to kick my feet up and watch some crazy Christian television there for a minute. I, uh, <laughs> I heard Joyce Meyer speak in tongues. And uh, she was preaching, and uh, they had uh, Spanish language overdubbed over her voice for the uh, Spanish folks to hear her ministry. <laughs> so that was, I don't know what she was saying, but she sure was preaching up a storm. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in uh, verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, and uh, we'll begin reading there and just read a few verses tonight before we get started. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. This is the Apostle Paul, a man that's somewhere in his 60s, and he's writing to young Timothy, this young pastor, 
and an assistant to him at one point in time before he had Timothy uh, take the pastorate of a church in Ephesus. He said, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've, I've fought a good fight, he says. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, and finally at verse 13, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. Especially the parchments. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, so thankful for the life of Paul, so thankful for his example, for how you used him, Lord, as an inspired uh, writer in the New Testament to write 14 books of the New Testament. Father, for the example he was, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also follower of Christ. And we can be straight in our doctrine, Lord, if we follow Paul's doctrine and line everything else up in the Bible with that and, and rightly divide it as to who you're uh, directing it to. We're thankful for that, Father, thankful for that knowledge, thankful for this, this man of God that he, he finished his course well. He started well and he, and he ended well as a Christian, and Lord, uh, thankful for the interest that he took in a young man, Timothy, here, for the example that's been to preachers on down through the ages. And tonight, Father, I pray that you would show us these few things that were so important to Paul near the end of his life, things that he felt like he, he had to have. He, he needed Timothy to bring him to, to him where he was in that prison. And I pray, Father, that you would also give us a a greater understanding of the value of these things and the value of them in our own lives. And uh, Lord, as we go out from this meeting and as we return back to our jobs and back to our homes and our, and our lives and our respective areas, Father, I pray that uh, that wouldn't be the end of this meeting, that wouldn't be the end of the influence of the preaching and the singing and, and that your word, as you promised, would not return void, but it'll, it'll, uh, it'll do what you've sent it out to do. And Father, I pray that as this happens, Lord, that uh, the influence of this meeting and all of the Bible teaching, all of the Bible preaching here would have a more lasting effect as a result of what Paul said here and the message that you've given in Christ's name. Amen. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul, here, uh, he's at the end of his ministry. This is the last place that Paul ever pillowed his head. It was in the Mamertine prison in Rome. He was summoned to appear before the court by Caesar. And so they, they hauled him away and they brought him to a prison and lowered his battered and scarred body down through a narrow opening in the floor into the lowest dungeon of the Mamertine prison. 
This dungeon was six and a half feet high, still is, and, and eight feet square. Just a small place. Just a, a, a dark, dirty, cold, damp place made of stone. The only air, the only light that came in for Paul was that narrow opening in the ceiling. And the floor above him was another dungeon where they kept prisoners. And you can just imagine the filth that came down through that hole and the stench of that place. It was there that this faithful apostle, this faithful preacher of the Word, was writing to young Timothy. And Paul knew that it wouldn't be long before one day these guards came back for the last time, hauled his body up out of that dungeon, and took him to be executed. He knew it wouldn't be long before his head would be severed from his body with the executioner's axe. That's what Paul was going through. He knew that winter was coming fast. Notice he said to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly. Be diligent about this, Timothy. Come shortly to me. Whatever you're doing, put it down, be diligent, and come to me now as fast as you can. He said this, he said, do thy diligence to come before winter. You see, the, the, the freshness of spring in Paul's life, the newness of his spiritual life, the newness of his ministry was now past. The warm productivity of summer in the life of Paul was now past. The harvest season of the fall and the great harvest of souls that the Lord used Paul to bring in into the kingdom of God was now past. And the deadening effects of winter were setting in for the Apostle Paul. And what was it that Paul was concerned about in this season of his life? I want to give you three requests, as I see it, that Paul made. And it shows us what was most important to this man at this season in his life. And first of all, Paul requested companionship. If you notice that in uh, verse 9, he says to Timothy, And imagine the sincerity and the pleading in his words as he says, Do thy diligence, young Timothy, to come shortly unto me. Come to me, please, Timothy. He's doing everything but but, uh, begging to Timothy. And he says again in verse 16, he says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. This was a, a pre-trial that Paul had to go through. And they were brought, he was brought into the court and it was an examination to examine his character. And at this time, if there were witnesses that were there to speak on, on the prisoner's behalf, they could speak and testify of the character of the prisoner. And, and there, there might have been people there to, to say that Paul is a good man. He's not stirring up trouble. He went about doing good and people have gotten saved and their lives have been changed. And, and uh, he preaches about the love of God and all of these things. And he, and he preaches of one Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and, and they, he didn't have anybody there like that. He didn't have anybody to testify of Paul's character. He stood there alone and made his defense and it didn't look good. He was forsaken by everybody. He talks about in verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, because he loved the present world. And there's, there's Christians like that. I remember there was a time when I was like that. 
I forsook the Lord and I forsook my, my faith in Jesus Christ and I, I loved this present world for a while. And that can happen to new Christians who haven't been strengthened and established and grounded in a good Bible-believing church. That can happen to them. And they can go out and they can start habits in their lives that will cause them trouble even later on when they finally repent and come back to the Lord and they find out that sin is only pleasurable for a season and, and that uh, life is hard in the far country. And uh, they, they finally come back, and, but by that time they've developed habits that are going to hinder their walk with the Lord. And he says, Demas, he's forsaken me, but these other men, we don't necessarily think that they forsook Paul. They may have been uh, these men, Cretans and Titus, uh, they and Tychicus, these men were probably faithful men that Paul, because he was an administrator, uh, probably sent these men out to different churches, possibly to pastor the churches, uh, possibly just to go and confirm the souls, the people that were saved there. Maybe Paul went through that area and preached the gospel and was wondering if a church was ever established. Maybe there was people meeting there together, and you need to go there and tell them uh, how we're supposed to handle things and how, how to set up a church. And we don't know what he did, but these, some of these men Paul sent off to do this, and he said, only Luke is with me. Paul was given this great mercy of having a physician with him at all times during his ministry. He said, only Luke is with me, but Paul here is requesting companionship. He wants young Timothy, this man that he looked at as like a son. He was a son in the faith, and he said, come to me. And when you're coming to meet me, there's some things I want you to bring with me. And we'll get to that in just a moment. It's important as Christians, we need church like this. We do, amen. We need the fellowship of believers. We need the companionship. And you know, folks, I've grown past the point where I was unsure, uncertain about what I was doing as a Christian. I don't care what other people in the world think about me. I, I want them 